Hi everyone, uh, this is Mark and this is the Mark Hastings Experience and uh, in this podcast uh, I'm going to be talking about everything from poetry to films to uh, TV shows to books and about uh, anything and everything that inspires me and uh, I hope you like what you hear. Hi everyone, this is Mark, and welcome to another uh, Star Wars themed episode of the Mark Hastings Experience. And in this episode, uh, I'm going to be continuing my uh, journey through the Star Wars films uh, and describing uh, what I liked about them, uh, about the uh, story, uh, about the characters, and... um, um, Continuing to uh, explain uh, why um, Star Wars films are um, so influential and such uh, a big part of um, of my my life, as well as other um, franchises have been. Uh, but Star Wars is um, the Star Wars films are uh, definitely something special in their own way. Um, uh, but as I said uh, today um, I'm going to be continuing my journey um, and uh, the film that I'm going to be talking about today following on from uh, Star Wars Episode 1 in the previous um, uh, Star Wars themed episode today I'm going to be talking about Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones uh, which came out in 2002 and uh, was once again directed and written by George Lucas. And uh, I hope you like what you hear. So, uh, as I was saying, um, today I'm going to be talking about um, the Star Wars film, uh, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, uh, which came out in 2002. Um, which was, um, which is the second episode in the, uh, prequel trilogy of films, uh, but in reality it's the fifth, uh, Star Wars film, um, that has been, that was made, um, after the original trilogy, um, um, and, uh, Attack of the Clones, um, um, came out, um, Two years after, or three years after the the previous film, uh, the Phantom Menace, and this trilogy, uh, the prequel trilogy of films, are um, uh, the story uh, of uh, Anakin Skywalker, basically, uh, who was, um, who was, and that was the name of who Darth Vader was before. He became Darth Vader, who's the main protagonist in the original trilogy uh, Star Wars films, as you may know. Um, and the prequel trilogy um, is uh, an exploration uh, as to how um, Anakin Skywalker became uh, Darth Vader. And it wasn't a 
uh, a simple flick of the switch. Uh, he wasn't uh, someone who uh, was um, born to be who he became. Uh, he became who he was. He became this uh, um, evil incarnate character. This uh, um, unstoppable force who was known throughout the Star Wars galaxy um, because of the events that happened to him. And um, when we first saw him in episode one, he's just this young uh, boy. He's he's a slave along with his mother, and um, and it isn't until the arrival of uh, a Jedi Knight. Um, into the uh, the uh, the workshop where he works um, on uh, the planet Tatooine. Um, Jedi Master uh, Qui Gon Jinn. That everything changes uh, for Anakin in that moment, and from that moment on, um, Anakin um, was going on a different path than how he may have imagined his life was going to be. And um, uh, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, further continues that. Um, Anakin now, uh, in this uh, film, uh, has grown up uh, considerably. Um, uh, It's been ten years since the last film, actually. Um, Since the events of uh, The Phantom Menace. And this film... Um, was uh, highly regarded by some for some parts of the film and also derided in some other parts uh, um, mostly because of the, the, the dialogue in some places but um, for me personally I didn't really have a problem with it uh, with the dialogue but uh, I could see why some people would find it cheesy and uh um just uh overly dependent on uh um uh badly written dialogue um i'm sorry if that offends anybody but there's some scenes in it where it feels the dialogue just feel clunky and not as uh um not as natural as it could be but in its defense you know, um, it was telling the scenes when uh, this dialogue takes place is at a time when you've got two people, Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala, um, who's played by uh, uh, Natalie Portman, uh, who was previously the queen of Naboo, uh, her home world in The Phantom Menace, but who now is a senator. And, um, yeah, she and, uh, Anakin, who is now all grown up, uh, more or less, um, uh, played by, uh, Hayden Christensen, um, though there is, uh, there has always been, um, it's, uh, it's explained that there has always been this, um, attraction, especially from, on uh, Anakin's uh, from Anakin's perspective 
and um, uh, Padme always uh, felt strong feelings for uh, for Anakin, but um, uh, he was a young boy when she first met him. She was the queen when he first met her. Uh, he didn't realise it at first, but she was, and there is definitely um, uh, an age gap between the two of them. Um, but uh, you could really you could excuse the um, the mannerisms and the dialogue within the film uh, in some parts because it mainly takes place between those two as Anakin just being nervous he's never really been around women he's never had any um, romantic um, relationships with anybody and Anakin's first love was uh, Padme. I mean, he described her as an angel when she first walked into um, Watto's uh, workshop and he was there. Um, he, he came running in uh, after and uh, they first laid eyes on one another. And, uh, and since he first saw her, he's been enamored with her and uh, in love with her and... Um, and uh, there's always been this uh, very close relationship, um, but they haven't seen each other. By the at the point uh, when Attack of the Clones takes place, they haven't seen each other for ten years. Um, so at the moment when he first sees her, he's just uh, absolutely hypnotised by her, and uh, he can't take his eyes off her, and he listens to every word that she says. And uh, oh yeah, when you, you you see him, he's he's just like this lovesick puppy really and he's just full of emotion um but of course he's a part he's a jedi now and the jedi are told to repress their emotions to uh use knowledge and um and to uh to to think and not not dwell on feelings and not uh, have any attachment to people or to things they're supposed to be um, these benevolent and um, you know uh, altruistic and they're not supposed to have attachment that's one of the main components of the Jedi code um, but Anakin he uh, he can't control his feelings and um, right at the beginning of the film there is a uh, assassination attempt on Padme Amidala Senator, pa- uh, Senator Amidala um and uh, it happens on Coruscant just uh, after she, after uh, Senator Amidala arrives to uh, vote on a motion to create an army to assist the Jedi against the threat of um, a former uh, Jedi Master, Count Dooku, um, played by uh, Christopher Lee. Uh, because he uh, is the leader of a separatist movement of um, star systems, solar systems, um, who is threatening the Galactic Republic, and um, um, they they seem to be pushing in uh, and trying to um, trying to find a way to dis- dis- um, um, disrupt the Galactic uh, Republic um, so they staged this assassination attempt um, 
on Padme, but uh, um, she isn't killed. Her uh, her bodyguard is killed uh, when the ship is blown up, and she manages to walk away. Um, and uh, at the bequest of uh, the Chancellor, uh, Chancellor Palpatine, played by uh, Ian McDermott, um, she uh, who we we're not made aware of uh, at this moment, but uh, uh, he's really Darth Sidious um, uh, uh, in disguise as uh, um, now Chancellor Palpatine. And uh, when the Jedi uh, come to go and see him, um, talking about uh, what has happened and um, to Padme. Um, both uh, Yoda and um, Jedi Master uh, Mace Windu, um, um, who's played by uh, Samuel Jackson, um, uh, Chancellor Palpatine um, tells them uh, or uh, um, advises them to. Uh, allow two Jedi's knights to help in the defense and the protection of Padme and he um, he uh, requests that both uh, Anakin Skywalker and uh, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, played by Ewan McGregor uh, uh, would be uh, the best fit to uh, uh, protect uh, Padme and um, it's been I've seen that uh, some people have uh, interpreted this as um, and it's definitely uh, apparent at least to me that um, Chancellor Palpatine is pushing Anakin because he knows that Anakin has this connection to Padme and he always has always has done and he always will and that she will help in disrupt his emotional state and that um, uh, uh, she can bring out emotions in him that uh, um, Palpatine can use to his advantage because he knows that emotions and feelings are expressing them and um, delving into them uh, is against the Jedi uh, code and uh, it's all play- it's all uh, playing into uh, his plan um, which is not uh, made uh, apparent when you first see the film uh, and it wasn't um, apparent to me when I first saw the film but after the multiple times that I've seen the film uh, definitely you can see the through line all the manipulation that um, Palpatine um, uh, does and did and and it's all just set up for him to just take over um, but he pushes uh, uh, for Anakin uh, and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi to take uh, under take uh, Padme under their protection, and they do that. They go to her apartment, 
they inform her that they're going to be uh, standing guard around her for her her uh, her safety. And Anakin is thrilled. He's nervous. As I said, when he first sees her, he's absolutely entranced by her. Um, and then uh, there is a second attempt on Padme uh, while she's in her apartment. Um, and uh, that's when uh, both Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Anakin Skywalker have to uh, set off um, uh, in pursuit of this assassin um, to support to take them into custody, um, subdue them, um, and they they set off through the this city world of Coruscant um, down into the the bars and uh, uh, through the the uh, massive uh, skyscraper uh, buildings, um, but uh, they are successful in catching up with this uh, assassin. But uh, just they're asking them about uh, who uh, hired them to to kill Padme. Uh, they are killed, and the assassin is uh, called uh, Sam uh, Weasel. Um, but they and they are killed by their employer, uh, a bounty hunter called Django Fett. Uh, but uh, she's killed before she can reveal his identity. But we do see him in the distance there, and he takes off uh, his uh, rocket pack, and he rockets away. Um, and uh, following this, um, the Jedi Council uh, instructs uh, Obi-Wan to uh, find out the identity of this bounty hunter. Um, because he left, there was a dart left, um, by him, and, uh, they believe that Obi-Wan could use this dart to, to track, uh, the origin of, uh, this bounty hunter. And while he's doing that, Anakin is, uh, asked to protect Padme and escort her back to Naboo, uh, for her protection. Um, and uh, Anakin is thrilled by this of course and uh, they set off um, posing as uh, refugees and um, they re- they return to Naboo and it's there that uh, uh, the two fall in love um, both Anakin and Padme and uh, all their internal feelings come to the, the forefront and um, that's when um, uh, their relationship solidifies and they express themselves to, in such a way that um, Anakin knows is forbidden uh, by the Jedi Code but he knows that he can't help himself and that uh, he loves Padme and he always has done and um, Padme is fearful uh, because she knows that it's forbidden and uh, um, that um, that um, Obi-Wan wouldn't agree with it and uh, he could be uh, forced to leave the Jedi Order if it was found out um, but they agreed to keep it secret, uh, and, and that no one has to know. 
Um, and while they are on Camino, Obi-Wan searches for leads to this mysterious um, bounty hunter who assassinated the other bounty hunter, uh, Sam Wessel. Um, and uh, going into the Jedi uh, archives and going to see uh, uh, one of his... Uh, one of his contacts, uh, Dex, at his cafe um, on Coruscant, uh, Obi-Wan uh, is drawn to a part of the galaxy where a planet shouldn't exist. It's been struck from the records of uh, um, Jedi um, Library, and that is the ocean planet of Kamino that he discovers. Uh, he he uh, journeys there and he's starfighter to this this place where there shouldn't be a planet but where he discovers there is a planet and when and after he arrives he discovers that uh, the Kaminoans there have been uh, growing an army of clones um, and they're being produced for the Republic um, and the order was put in by a now uh, deceased Jedi called uh, Sifo-Dyas um, and the uh, a bounty hunter named uh, Jango Fett um, has been serving uh, and has served as um, the genetic template for these uh, for these clones and an interesting point about Jango Fett. Jango Fett is a Mandalorian. Uh, he he wears Mandalorian armor, very similar to the Mandalorian armor that we see Din Djarin um, uh, uh, wearing in the Mandalorian TV show, and uh, very similar to the Mandalorian armor that Boba Fett uh, wears in the original trilogy of films. And in fact, Boba Fett is uh, a clone of his father Jango Fett we discover he's exactly identical in every way and um, as I said um, so Jango Fett the character of Jango Fett is uh, as important as uh, Boba Fett because Boba Fett um, is not uh, truly believed uh, and considered to be a true Mandalorian in the um, in in the the case of coming from Mandalore and being brought up on the planet Mandalore and being trained as a Mandalorian, he's just he's a bounty hunter um, and he was trained by his father. But um, in the tradition of the Mandalorians, he shouldn't be considered a Mandalorian, um, but he wears Mandalorian armor. Um, Jango Fett uh, um, uh, is the the basis really for everything that came after. Um, his appearance inspires the armor of the clone troopers that um, he's uh, the template for, and um, uh, and even in their, the design of their helmets and their um, uniforms. So, uh, the character of Jango Fett, which is first introduced in um, uh, Attack of the Clones, is a, is a 
um, a, an important character, um, and um, and he uh, and the the uh, the actor Tamora Morrison. Uh, this is where his uh, uh, his journey in the Star Wars uh, franchise began, but it continues throughout uh, because he is uh, because he's um, uh, the the template for all the clones. Um, all the clones underneath their helmets would theoretically look like uh, Tamora Morrison, um, and as does uh, Boba Fett, who we see at the end of. Um, the first episode of the second season of The Mandalorian, right at the end there, um, and we see an aged um, Boba Fett, and he looks exactly like Tamora Morrison. So uh, the uh, genetics um, um, appearance uh, um, is very re- reminiscent um, of uh, of Django, and um, and yeah, I, rem- I remember watching. The, the fight between Django and Obi-Wan on uh, Kamino because um, Obi-Wan goes to uh, question Django about what's going on uh, on Kamino um, and uh, he's able to deduce that uh, Django was the bounty hunter that was on uh, Coruscant and who killed um, Sam Wessel and um uh, who uh, disappeared um, and then following that there is a brief battle um, between Obi-Wan and um, and Django and uh, um, Obi-Wan is uh, is bested uh, at some parts uh, in some parts of it um, and uh, Django is able to escape with uh, Boba Boba Fett, who at this point is a young boy, uh, he's he's not the Boba Fett who we know from uh, um, from uh, the Return of the Jedi or The Empire Strikes Back. Um, he's just a young boy. He doesn't know anything um, about being a bounty hunter or any such things. He's just a boy living with his father. Um, but he uh, has definitely been taught uh, not to trust um, this, and he, he, I think, he takes. Um, he understands that uh, from uh, his father's reaction to Obi Wan that the Jedi shouldn't be trusted. Um, and then at the end of the film, of course, uh, towards the end of the film, we find out a true reason why Boba Fett shouldn't like the Jedi uh, because they are instrumental in his father's uh, his father's death um, but um, there's a there's a chase between Obi-Wan and uh, and Jango and Boba in uh, Jango's ship uh, the Slave One uh, which is uh, an iconic Star Wars Ship that was seen in uh, the Empire Strikes Back, um, and Obi Wan follows. Uh, he's able to uh, to hide and make uh, Django believe that his ship has been destroyed. He's able to hide 
um, and then follow both Django and his clone son Baba to the planet Geonosis, which is um, where the uh, the separatist um, uh, movement uh, is now using uh, as a base for their operations, and where they are uh, gathering and building a uh, a droid army with the help of the Trade Federation uh, who we were introduced to in uh, Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace they were the um, they were the ones who were holding the, the planet Naboo um, in custody and um, but in this they're they're working with uh Count Dooku, um, Christopher Lee's character, um, and they're planning um, um, an in, an invasion, basically, and they're planning oh, for a war against uh, the Republic. And uh, and we don't realise at first, but uh, this is all being planned. Um, the the plan by um uh palpatine um uh who's in reality darth sidious this is all part of it placing the republic and the trade federation and the the separatist mo- separatist movement at um at either side on either sides of a uh, of a conflict that um is going to be fought just so that he can rise to power even 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 more so than he has done um so everyone finds out about this growing uh droid army that has been uh being built and um he he he, uh transmits um his findings to the jedi council but he is subdued by uh, the separatists, um, and he talks with Count Dooku, um, who we found we find out was once a uh, a Jedi Master before he left um, the uh, the Jedi Order. He was um, uh, a friend to um, to Qui Gon Jinn. Um, and um, they were both uh, master and uh, an apprentice, um, and it, and Count Dooku tries to bring everyone, everyone over to his side and try to explain um, his role in, in the uh, the Confederacy of Independent Systems, his formation, basically the separatist movement. Um, and also revealing um, that um, the Republic is now under the control of a Sith Lord, uh, Darth Sidious, um, which uh, Obi-Wan doesn't uh, believe initially, um, but uh, he uh, he definitely comes to believe it uh, um throughout the next film and um but he reports his uh his findings to uh, the jedi 
Uh, but then um, Dooku tells him um, that he needs to join him um, because um, he can help uh, overcome what is to come. Uh, but he refuses and um, he claims that his master, uh, Dooku's former um, apprentice, Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, would have done the same um, had he been alive. Um, and while all this is going on, there is a vote going on in uh, the Galactic Senate. And um, we are we meet up again with uh, Jar Jar Binks, who is now Senate Representative Binks uh, in the Senate. He's going to be voting on behalf of uh, Naboo uh, in place of Padme. And um, he proposes uh, a successful vote to grant emergency powers to Chancellor Palpatine, allowing him to authorise the creation of a clone army. And once again, this is all part of the manipulation of Palpatine, of Darth Sidious. It's it's very subtle, um, but it's a long-term plan. The, um, it's definitely apparent that um, Sidious, um, looking at, at the whole story from a broad, broad um, perspective... He, um, it's all there, all the components, placing the two sides against one another while he's at the centre of it, controlling both. And we see this as well in the the Clone Wars TV show, the animated TV show. Um, We actually get to see the Clone Wars from both perspectives, both sides, both the Separatist side and the um, the Clone Army side and the... The Republic and the Jedi. Um, and we see the manipulation, um, and uh, he's just uh, a psychopathic um, um, Sith uh, who just wants power. He's just obsessed with power, obtaining more knowledge about um, power, and he's uh, a Force user, and he delves into the dark side of the force um, um, to gain more power to gain um, more authority more dominance over other people because and that's all he all he seeks um, and so he is given emergency powers and uh, um, it's all part of his plan and Jar Jar Binks has really just been manipulated uh, once again um, and um, that is the start of uh, the Clone Wars And but in reality they, they don't know that what the Galactic Senate doesn't know is that the clones they're already ready and waiting to go um, they, they don't need to be authorised because they've been the, the authorisation the plan um, the order for them came ten years previously, um, so this is something that's been in the planning stages for years. Uh, but they don't realise that. Um, they just see and they just believe what they've been told. 
Um, following this, um, uh, Anakin and Padme, uh, they receive uh, a stress signal from um, uh, from Obi-Wan. Um, they intercept it. Um, they intercepted his message, in fact, and they were the ones who were able to transmit it to Coruscant for the Jedi Council to, to see. Um, but they they decide to head to Geonosis to rescue Obi-Wan, um, but are uh, captured in the process by uh, Jango Fett. Um, they also have uh, C-3PO with them and R2-D2. Um, and we see... Uh, see them going through this uh this factory where they're constructing the uh the droids the separatist droids um and they are uh placed in uh the center of this arena uh where there's several uh of these uh alien creatures there um that uh uh are going to attack them um, they're placed uh, along, uh, tied to pillars alongside Obi Wan, um, and uh, these creatures come towards them. Um, it, and it's all a show for the Geonosians, which are these insectoid uh, type aliens uh, who are all looking down in adoration, and it's all being um, uh, administered and. Uh, and um, shown as if it was some kind of event uh, by uh, Dooku and by Jango Fett and by the uh, um, the uh, Viceroy of the Trade Federation. So it's all a show just to show the, the execution of these three, um, Anakin, Padme and Obi-Wan. Um, but unfortunately for them, uh, uh, after he... After Dooku sentences them to death, a battalion of uh, clone troopers led by uh, Yoda, um, Mace Windu, and uh, some other Jedi, uh, in fact, more Jedi than we'd ever seen previously in the, in the, the Star Wars films, all um, arrive and they start fighting against uh, the, uh, the Separatist army. Um, um, and at one point, uh, Mace Windu even beheads Jango Fett uh, during the battle. Um, and uh, at the end of the battle, we see Boba, Boba Fett pick up his father's helmet, oh, which is it's not made apparent whether his father's head is still in it, but he picks up his father's helmet, and this is... Uh, definitely must have had some very psychologically uh, disturbing effect on Boba as a result and this is probably where he gets his hate for the Jedi from um, and the, the battle ensues, the huge battle that spreads from the arena <coughs> excuse me, where um, it first began um, and um then there is a, a, a race uh, to, to try and catch up with uh, Count Dooku. Um, so while the, the two armies, both the clone army and the separatist army, are fighting against one another, Dooku races off 
um, in his speeder to try and get away and try to get to his ship so he could leave the planet. But um, he's um, he's chased by Obi Wan and by Anakin and by Padme uh, in um, one of their uh, one of the the clone um, clone trooper um, uh, vessels, uh, one of the ships. Um, very much like a futuristic, uh, like helicopter kind of. Uh, I think it's called a drop ship. Oh, I might be completely wrong there. Um, but um, they they pursue Dooku with some clones, um, and when they they catch up with him, there is a lightsaber duel um, uh, in which. Uh, Anakin is bested and he even gets his hand cut off um, and uh, as is Obi-Wan Obi-Wan is no match for uh, Count Dooku who is most definitely a powerful um, Jedi but he also uses force lightning so there's this lightning that he can he can generate from his uh, fingertips and and push towards um, uh, any uh, any assailant um, anyone who's trying to to uh, subdue him, and um, he's able to uh, take down um, both Anakin and uh, Obi Wan um, uh, with it, and he's able to best them both. And then um, uh, Yoda uh, arrives, um, and um, he then uh, starts to fight Count Dooku, and of course, in this at this time, we'd never seen Yoda ever holding uh, a lightsaber. Uh, we'd never seen Yoda fight, um, and in this film, um, he's completely computer-generated, which was the first time in all of Star Wars that um, Yoda had been completely computer-generated, and he looks phenomenal, I have to say. Um, and the fight that he has with Count Dooku is brilliant um, and it's very uh, frenetic and um, uh, Yoda is uh, jumping and and, uh, and fighting um, like the, the, the best Jedi that he's considered to be um, even though he, he has such a, a small statue stature he's able to um, competently keep up with Dooku uh, because Dooku was his former apprentice, he is revealed. Um, but uh, Dooku uses um, the Force uh, to distract uh, Yoda, um, um, and uh, he uh, there is some rubble that's about to fall and hit um, Obi Wan, um, and uh, Yoda has to stop his fight, his duel with. Uh, um, Count Dooku with the force so he, so he can move it away but that gives Dooku time to uh, escape um, and he uh, returns to Coruscant uh, where he delivers uh, uh, the plans for a super weapon uh, that uh, the um, the Trade Federation uh, and the separatist uh, droid army, uh, the separatist movement, have been creating the plans for. And this super weapon is, of course, 
the Death Star, uh, which we see uh, in full operation in uh, Star Wars New Hope. Um, and we see it being uh, constructed and test-fired in uh, the Star Wars film Rogue One, uh, which is another great film. And he reports directly to Darth Sidious, and Darth Sidious calls Dooku Darth Tyrannus. Uh, so it's definitely apparent then from from that scene that uh, Darth Sidious and Darth uh, Tyrannus both uh, are both master and apprentice, and they are Sith. Um, and you you can tell Sith because they use red lightsabers in most cases. And um, Count Duke used a red lightsaber, so it's uh, um, it's made apparent to both Yoda and Obi Wan uh, at that time when they fought with him that he was a, a Sith Lord. Um, and following that, um, the Jedi acknowledge that the Clone Wars has begun. In fact, it's actually said uh, by Yoda. Um, uh, Anakin is fitted with a robotic hand and he subsequently marries Padme on Naboo with C-3PO and R2-D2 uh, in secret in secret from the Jedi in secret from Obi-Wan and this is kept secret all throughout um, the Clone Wars TV show uh, uh, up until um, the next film Revenge of the Sith um and uh yeah so this film i i loved that i loved this film when it first came out i must admit the seeing um yoda fighting with his lightsaber his green lightsaber for the first time was thrilling uh i it was uh incredible i also loved the mystery of it of the film uh that obi-wan became some kind of a detective following these breadcrumbs that would ultimately lead him to this discovery of um, this clone army and um, a lot of uh, story points that came, that were written in the comics and in books, novels that uh, followed uh, um, Attack of the Clones and also preceded it um, that have added to the, the lore and the canon of the Star Wars universe uh, were inspired by this film in fact um, a lot of the characters um, uh, that have featured in some of the novels um, including uh, Dooku and um, Sidious um, all came and their uh, characterizations all came from this film and of course Yoda as well um, but yeah I thought it was a great film um, as I said um, the dialogue uh, wasn't um, always good, but on 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 the whole, the film from beginning to end, um, it's uh, it really did build. Um, it, it was like a detective story, basically. Uh, there was an attack, um, which led to Obi Wan having to investigate who was responsible, um, and then he introduced. Anakin to Padme and started their love affair with one another and it was just setting the setting the, the stage for what would um, uh, what would come and what would follow in the next film Revenge of the Sith um, 
Uh, so it had a lot to do. Uh, it had to bridge the gap between episode one um, and episode three. Uh, I think it did that effectively. And um, the special effects in it are fantastic, as always, created by ILM. Um, the characters are all great. We got the introduction to Samuel L. Jackson's uh, Mace Windu, who has became, become uh, a fan favourite for a lot of people. Um, uh, who uh, is the first Jedi to have a uh, purple lightsaber, uh, as was suggested by uh, Maze Windu. Um, I think it's a great film, like I say. Uh, George Lucas uh, obviously um, had the entire trilogy planned out, and that's a very uh, big advantage uh, for a story. He had complete creative control over it, which is also something that you need if you're making a trilogy of films that are all bound to one another. And it's something that the, the sequel trilogy could definitely have done with um, having this through line of a story um, that was uh, the blueprint for it um, so that it, um, you could you could uh, um, Im- improvise around the this through line through this blueprint uh, but as long as it stayed on on track and I think um, I don't think it did that effectively but the prequel trilogy um, did at least in my perspective um, and this uh, this film um, attack of the clones really added to the uh, to the the um, to the universe of Star Wars, added to the story, added to the characters. Um, and that one of the, the most harrowing, one of the most impactful parts of the, of the film was when um, Anakin was getting these visions of his mother uh, calling out to him. And uh, he leaves t- uh, Naboo with... Uh, Padme, they go to, back to Tatooine they meet up with Watto again uh, then he goes to the Lars family um, uh, enclave, uh, which is where uh, Luke Skywalker the, the homestead um, that we first saw in A New Hope where Luke Skywalker um, uh, is introduced to us um, with uh, his uncle Owen Lars and Beru um, where we where he we see him looking at the the twin sunsets. Um, so yeah, he goes there in search. Anakin goes there in search of his mother, who is as as uh, who has been was freed by um, uh, um, Clee Glass, and she and he married her, who is um, Owen and Owen's uh, father. Uh, but she had been abducted and take and um kidnapped by some Tuscan raiders uh and um Anakin is in, is enraged by this and he sets out to go and find his mother he tracks her to and these Tuscans to this uh camp and when he discovers his mother she's near death um she's been abused tortured um and she's uh, just holding on to, to life and Anakin is able to see her for the last time just before she dies and it's at that moment when at the the 
when the anger and the dark side within him starts to rise and explode and then he goes on a rampage and he kills all of the Tuscan raiders um, in this camp because of what uh, they did to his mother and his mother he then uh, retrieves his mother and brings her body back to the Lars family uh, homestead and he buries her and he um, and uh, and this is the moment um, that has been um, highlighted by a lot of uh, fans Star Wars fans as the moment when Anakin really touched into the dark side when this is when the dark side started to grow within him and as uh, Yoda says once you start down the dark path forever will it dominate your destiny and uh, I think it was at this moment that um, Anakin started down the dark path and there was no coming back for him from that um, so like I say this film um, really uh, added so much to the ethos of knowing about the Jedi knowing about the Sith knowing about the, the whole plan knowing about the Clone Wars that was just mentioned in passing in uh, A New Hope uh, when Obi-Wan is talking to Luke Skywalker in his um, at his home there and he's saying that he fought in the Clone Wars with his father um, so this is where we get to see um, all the backstory uh, uh, dramatised uh, for us and where we see the beginning of the Clone Wars that um, continued in the Clone Wars TV show that ran for seven seasons uh, which was a great uh, great show filled with um, many different um, uh, episodes which focused on many different parts of the war um, and on uh, many different characters uh, from the Star Wars universe and it also sets up um, the the next film in the, the trilogy, The Revenge of the Sith, which um, is one of my favourite films, and is one of the favourite films of many Star Wars fans, because it's the the culmination of the trilogy, and it's when uh, all the the setup really comes to a conclusion, um, and that'll be the the focus of my next uh, Star Wars film, uh, Star Wars themed. Uh, episode of the podcast um, but I think I'm going to leave it there for now I just want to say thank you for listening I uh, hope you like what you heard and uh, may the force be with you if you like what you heard in uh, this episode of uh, the Mark Hastings experience um and if you want to check out some more of my poetry, um, then you uh, you can head over to markthepoet.me, uh, which is my website, and you'll find uh, lots of the poems that I've written over the years. Um, if you want to uh, check out some of my poetry uh, in uh, a book form, uh, and go to Amazon, and you'll find um, all ten of my books that I've had published Um they're all books of poetry, um, uh, books of stories, uh, books of uh, memories and uh, experiences. Um, and there'll be more to come. And uh, if you would love to um, contribute uh, to uh, 
to the podcast, then you can do so by heading over to Patreon and searching for Mark the Poet. And uh, your uh, your support would be greatly appreciated. Um, but uh, as I was saying, I hope you liked what you heard in this uh, episode. Um, and I'll talk to you again soon.